Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com, registered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. A special coupon code is available for listeners of this podcast. Type the word KEYS for $20 off an audio course subscription. This audio course subscription gives access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. With more than 200 hours of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it is only $59 per year with the code KEYS. Visit go speechtherapypd.com slash keys for more information and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Hello, welcome to Keys for SLPs, a weekly audio course and podcast from speechtherapypd.com, exploring keys for speech language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, SLP and certified orofacial myologist experienced in rehab outpatient, school, and private practice settings. As a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning, I'm excited to discuss information to help you excel as a professional. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals and caregivers to discuss practical therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field of speech-language pathology as we discuss a wide variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Welcome to Keys for SLPs. Before we get started, here are the financial and the non-financial disclosures. Mary Beth Hines is the host of the Keys for SLPs podcast and receives compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. She is a member of ASHA Special Interest Groups 2 and 13 and the International Association of Oral Facial Myology. Kathy Lurk receives compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com for this episode. She founded Drew's Rainbows Foundation and Drew's Rainbows Art. As a reminder, for this live episode to get live CEUs, you must log into your speechtherapypd.com account and complete the entire course content by the end of the day today. We are thrilled about our episode today, Keys to a Parent's Journey. I am so excited to welcome our guest, Kathy Lurk. And here's a little bit about Kathy. Kathy is the first to admit that raising a child with special needs is not easy. She considers it a journey from understanding to accepting and finally celebrating such a beautiful child from God. Kathy is writing a book titled Your Special to share the voice, perspective, and inspiration of children with special needs, which have taught her so much. The Lurk family established Drew's Rainbows Foundation, as well as Drew's Rainbows Art, to help gifted artists make a living doing what they love. Kathy lives in Cincinnati, Ohio with her husband, David, and their three children, Andrew, Alexandra, and Audrey, who are all so special in their own unique way. Kathy, it is truly an honor to collaborate with you on this episode. Welcome. Well, thank you. I am delighted to be here and for such a warm and pleasurable introduction. I'm not sure I'm worthy of all of that, but it is a really gift to be here today and to share some insight and the perspective of a mom and a family to especially a group of uh, clinicians who maybe don't always get to see or hear from that side as often. So any help or insight I can offer is my pleasure. Well, as clinicians, understanding families' perspectives, especially parent perspectives and caregivers' perspectives, it really helps us help our clients and patients. So we really appreciate you being so candid and honest with us tonight and telling us your story. So will you share with us a little bit about your son Drew's journey and your journey as a parent? Yes, absolutely. So Andrew is our firstborn child of three, as you mentioned, and everything was fine. Delivery just uh, 10 days late induced, but smooth sailing as he came into the world. However, as we were progressing through his first year, he was just a kind of quiet child. Being the first child, you don't have that reference or comparison to other babies or other children other than maybe playgroups or that kind of perspective, which is helpful, but you're not as intimately involved, so you don't necessarily notice. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, Drew was doing great. I mean, I always say he did everything a little bit on the late side of average. The classic questions that we get at the doctors, you know, how about the rolling over, the sitting up, the crawling, walking, all of that. I was always super proud that he, you know, hey, not crushing it by coming in at the head front of that average, but he was always making the grade, if you will. However, about two years old, we were at the swim club and swimming and having a really good time. And I was just really aware of other children, his size physically, and my ears just super turned up to their verbal capabilities. It's emblazed in my brain. The child said, may I please have some goldfish in my juju, which is obviously their juice. Right. And I'm thinking... Drew would say, you know, ma, da, da. And I shared with Mary Beth that those two does, by the way, were very different. Which is important. One was dad, one was dog. And I do laugh a lot because there's a lot of heartbreak in the process of this journey. But we've laughed and added a lot of color and inspiration to our family through it all. And I think that helps. But I asked for a referral. My pediatrician was like, he's a boy. It's very common for boys to be delayed in speech. Why don't we give it some time? One of my messages I always share is just trust your gut. There was no, you know, we're working together, same goal in mind to help children. And he wasn't naysaying. He just thought, let's give it time. And I said, if it's no skin off your back, can I just get a referral? Let's just check it out. And we go to the speech pathologist. And sure enough, it happens to be a friend of a friend who we knew and She could not believe how aproxic Andrew was and was shocked that we even were able to nurse, which was painstaking. And I felt so much mother's guilt. And I felt like it was a struggle to do it. We would finish it. It was almost time to feed again. That's how long it Mm -hmm. would take with him falling off on it. It was difficult. Yeah, it was lots of tears, lots of guilt. It actually helped to know that there were some reasons behind that. Mm Mm-hmm as we got that diagnosis, but then the hard work kicked in, Mary Beth. It was like every expert I could get my hands on and drive to, every therapy from things that were traditional to institutions that look at the brain and how they're balanced and play therapy and music therapy and anything. And we were chasing hope. We were driving to compounding pharmacies in Chicago, paying out of pocket, We knew we had this crucial, important five-year window where we could try our best to, and I'm going to say this, you guys can't see me, I'll do, but it's air quotes, to (laughs) fix it, right? We're fixing it. We're We're fixing it. Yep. We're going to fix this. (laughs) We're going to get this fixed by kindergarten. That's the goal. And, uh, And that was a lot of important hard work to dig in and do. But as we talk, and you alluded to in the beginning, I always see it as a journey of understanding accepting and celebrating. So I understood there was a problem, but I'm on it. We're on it. My husband and I are, we're, we're going to rally the troops, throw anything we can at it and fix it. So as you can imagine, that didn't go as planned. Well, and that's your personality. (laughs) I mean, you are one of the most energetic people I know, and you're a doer. And so here's a problem and you were going to fix it. And what you've done with some of these challenges is probably much more amazing than fixing it. Oh, thank you. We learned that by understanding that, okay, you're hitting some milestones, but I would say they were at a snail's pace. And when the clinician tells you you have these issues and you're hearing them, you're cognitively following, you hear the words, they don't always mean a lot yet because you aren't versed in those languages. You're understanding as you go with your baby and you're doing the homework, you're doing the therapy, you're putting peanut butter on each side of their cheeks, hoping for him to lick on either side and getting that tongue more refined and more muscle tone and trying to beat this. But you have to understand that at some point you might not fix it and you start to accept. And that was really a long journey because he was two and I'm fixing it, Mary Beth. I'm fixing it till about seventh grade, eighth grade. I'm not buying what I'm hearing. Was I not doing what I was supposed to do? I'm full in. We were doing all the therapies plus as much Mm -hmm. as we could, you know, throw work at, we were working very diligently. You know, you start to understand that, hmm, okay, still the same issues many years later. So that's when we kind of got to accepting that 
we got this great kid who's doing amazing things, who just does them at a different pace and in a different way and has maybe a different purpose, a different calling, but he has such wonderful gifts that he shares with so many people that you kind of shift into keeping up with the work, but that understanding is going into that accepting and it is a process. Well, and that's what you're here to share with us today. So you have learned so much from your journey. What is the key advice that you would give parents with a new diagnosis? The words will be heard, but it's everyone's own personal experience. But what I can share in the small insight is that recognizing that your child is a human that has their own experience and they have their way of coming into the world and they have so much to share. And, you know, I always make the comment about few people. There are some people that are just unbelievable that do, but the first thing you usually ask the doctor at that sonogram or that ultrasound is, is everything all right with the baby? Do you see 10 figures, 10 toes? How's the baby developing? Mm -hmm. So we are from the very beginning kind of trained, whether we like it or not, look at milestones. So we hang our hat on them. Mm-hmm. That's how we operate is the baby rolling over. Is the baby developing at this many weeks? Remember the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, how you drip on the words <laughs> to see if you made that week's milestone. Yeah. Did you make the cut? <laughs> Did you make the cut? And it's such a bittersweet thing because it's so helpful. Those benchmarks are there for a reason. They serve a good purpose. But when you have a child that doesn't hit those benchmarks or hits them at a different way or at a different level, it becomes very difficult to digest and it's difficult to have this palatable optimism when you're feeling beat down quite a bit. So I would say the sooner you can experience and recognize that your child is on their own special journey and where we have these benchmarks, these milestones, that's just the average. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy and you think about a bell curve more importantly, Mm -hmm. We're all on the bell curve somewhere, and some of us do some things different and on average and late, but it all will work out, and I feel like it's important to understand that it's at that child's pace and to be there to support and see the child for who they are and what they are and the joy that they bring your life and the joy that they're having. So many times it was about me and Dave, not about Drew. He was fine. He was not bad ever. It was me mourning. That is such an important perspective. Also trusting your intuition and really being a partner with your clinical team. And as I said earlier, we're all here. Nobody goes into this business, this practice, or no teacher goes into teaching to make you miserable. They really don't. (laughs) No. (laughs) They usually do it because they love children. Yeah. And They're there to help you and to be a partner with you. And I learned that the more collaborative I could be, the more appreciative I could be while holding my ground and really trusting my gut. That pediatrician was a great doctor. But, you know, they see 100 patients every two days. So on average, boys talk late. But my gut said otherwise. And he respected me. He said, absolutely, let's do it. And we together took a next step that got us on the right path to intervention for Drew even sooner than if we'd waited another six months or another three months. Oh, that was great. So trust your gut, follow your instincts, and collaborate with your pediatrician first, your therapist, your teachers. And it's so important for us as therapists to hear what you're saying about milestones because we need those milestones in order to diagnose, in order to analyze, in order to figure out what's happening in order to figure out how to help, but we don't want to get caught up on milestones. I like the term that you used. Don't hang your hat either on a milestone or a diagnosis. No. And the other thing I would say as clinicians, that would be important to really be aware of. And I'm sure all of you know this, but really giving that parent permission and a little time. I know that's hard with the way our world is and insurance and everything, but Really, they're going to go through a journey of their own emotions because you can liken it to grief. In my journey, as I've shared, it's understanding, accepting, and celebrating. We haven't gotten to the best part of the story yet. 
That's right, coming. right, right. <laughs> Which is so fun. I'm so excited so to get there. Fun. But we got to describe what, what happened first. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My goodness. Yes. I'll never, you know, forget some of those morning periods when friends of his were reading chapter books. And I, I was like confused as to what they were doing. Like, what are you doing in the hallway reading this? I was waiting for a conference. And he's like, oh, I'm reading the third in a series of Magic Treehouse chapter books. And I'm thinking, your mom's helping you read that. He's like, no, right. I'm reading it. I love it. It was just such a moment. Of, I call him punch in the gut moments because it was. I went home and I got in the car and cried. As clinicians, you tell us things. We want to be there. We want to partner. But be sure to send out a lot of empathy and love to that parent mm-hmm. because it takes multiple times. It also just takes time right, for them right. to grasp it. Well, and when you say a punch in the gut, that's usually a surprise. And we as clinicians need to realize that we are surprising parents, you know, time and time again. And that was a surprise. You know, you were just waiting for a conference that day when you first told me that story. You had your own agenda and all of a sudden you see the cute little boy reading the chapter book and all of a sudden you have a whole different set of emotions that you're going into that conference with. Absolutely. And those continue, Mary Beth, to this day, you're never going to be fully like, oh, it's all, you know, when the kids are going off to college or when they're getting their first big job in New York, you still have those moments. So you, I give you that perspective because I think back to that story of you don't raise your hand and say, oh, I hope that, you know, mine is seven when he's 42. (laughs) You want to see him grow and develop. That's our job as parents. So they are doing that. They're just doing it in a different way Mm -hmm. and doing great things in different ways. And we've really come to learn that. And now it's just gift of amazing triumphs again and again, things I would never see or experience if I hadn't had through. Well, and he has brought so much joy to so many people really around the world. I know we're going to get into employment and yeah. things um, for young adults. And tell us your term that you use, because I just love that. Yeah, exceptionality. So I've always struggled with how to describe. And if you say to any layperson, he's cognitively delayed, I can write the script for you how that goes. It's, oh, is he have dyslexia? Oh, is he have Asperger's? Oh, is he autistic? Oh, is <laughs> so I usually have to kind of spell it out what cognition delay is. So I just heard this and I really hung my hat on it again with the regards to, you know, children with exceptionalities. We all have exceptionalities and they just show up in different ways. Some people interview people, some people paint, some people are sports scientists and clinicians. Everybody, every single person has exceptionalities within them. And you realized some of his exceptionalities. So you said it in about seventh grade. So he started off with apraxia, and then eventually he really overcame that. And he was able to go to regular elementary school. And so seventh grade was kind of the time where you, that was the first time where you had to figure out what was next. Yes, because he also had auditory processing, sensory integration, OCD, ADD, a lot of combination Mm -hmm. of challenges. So it was a journey. And with support, we were able to stay mainstream with wonderful, wonderful teachers and aides who loved him and taught him through it and worked with him in OT, PT at school and then privately. So it took a big village. But in that village, they got as much as they gave to Drew. And I hear that again and again. So that's the other beauty is they're always We're learning from them. They're teaching us things. And there's a lot of joy in that journey and in that process. Talk about some of that joy because Drew's story and the joy that he has spread to so many people is amazing. And for those of you who are listening and watching on speechtherapypd.com, you can see the painting in the back with the rainbow. So when Drew was around five, was it? He started uh, drawing rainbows. Do I have the age right or was he a little bit older? five to seven, he started drawing them. But at seven, I asked him about them because without fail, and every day he would make me a rainbow. And of course, you guys can imagine clinicians, it's never out of order. It's always Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And if it's out of order, it's not right. It's not a rainbow, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So he still to this day makes them. And 
I asked him, why do you do that? And he said, well, mommy, and it was very broken, mommy, rainbow is sign of love. And I thought, well, I don't know where he got that. You know, I'm thinking maybe it was a children's book or grandma. So I was thinking about it throughout the day. And then later that night when I tucked him in, I, I said, hey, I'm very curious. How did you find that, buddy? Like, how did you know that? And he said, oh, when I sleep at night, sometimes I sit on Jesus's lap and he tells me things. <laughs> and A, it was the longest sentence he had ever said. And B, my jaw dropped because Drew doesn't lie. He doesn't make, I mean, interpret it how you want. Was it a dream? Was it the truth? But in my heart and soul, I believe it. And I, he has not stopped making rainbows to this day. I get a rainbow every day. And as he got progressed older, they, he would write things on them. So I have these rainbows from his, when he was five to seven, I couldn't throw them away. And he would write things. Now they're a little more like we just were at Cedar Point. Thank you for taking me to Cedar Point. We had fun. And I have that one. He just sent, gave me that one two days ago. But my favorite one said, you're special. And I was having a particularly kind of rotten day. I was in the kitchen. It was mm-hmm. the morning. And I think I was even like choked up about something. And he would always put him behind his back. And he says, I've got something for you. And like, it's day 475, right? Like, oh, I... <laughs> can't imagine what that could be. It's your rainbow. And he'd pull it out. And with this huge, big, proud grin, again, again, every day. (laughs) And that one really kind of melted me. I thought, wow, wow, here's this special kid with exceptionalities telling me I'm okay and I'm special. We made him, my husband and I, into business cards. And Drew has passed out over 20,000 of your special rainbows. So 20,000 business cards. And they have the rainbow on the front. And I have a picture I know about all you can see. Yeah, that's the original. It says you're special. We just passed these out Sunday at the Bengals game. And two people were like, oh, you gave us one of those two weeks ago. We have it on our fridge. We have it here. They remember him and they high five them and. He's passed them out to people that, I mean, I can go on and on with examples, but I'm just so grateful for his bright light and his optimism and his message of love and color. And he doesn't see color, by the way. He he sees people as they are, whether it's ethnicity, color, status. He sees people. He doesn't see disabilities. He'll make the most interesting comments about a beautiful girl. And in our milestones, in our minds of benchmarks, etc., in society's perspective, this probably wouldn't fit in for most. And he's just like, wow, she's something. <laughs> I, I know she is. You're right. She's gorgeous. I agree. So it's been uh. so much fun. So, and he, just to clarify for people who don't know you and, and don't know him, and if you can imagine he is the one handing out the cards. You're, you're there with him yeah. because he's not really able to be independently like by himself, just, right. just for safety reason or whatever. But he'll go and he'll hand them to anyone. Oh, we were just at a park the other day, a weekend ago, and he had a bunch in his pocket. And the next thing I know, people are buying him frozen you know, ice cream drinks because they're like, he made my day. I just got this and I looked down and... It warmed my heart or people bring them out and they're worn and tattered. I don't know why or how they impact people the way they do, but they don't throw them away. They really cherish them. And we've had some very intimate conversations with people who it made a difference right when they needed it most. In New York City, he had a couple individuals, one in particular who just started crying on the spot and said, I needed to hear this today. This is not the day I was planning on kind of finishing. And she Mm -hmm. hugged him like I've never seen someone hug somebody. And that's what it's about. Like, we don't always need to fix our kids. We need to embrace. We want to optimize them. But we want to embrace their gifts, their exceptionalities. And as clinicians and parents, we can do that. We can really, we can see as parents and families, maybe what clinicians can't see. And clinicians can see what we can't. And together, we can help them go out into the world and do what they were called to do, whether it's painting, whether it's lining up things for children's hospital on a tray because they're so orderly that things have to be in a perfect order. Nobody can imagine anybody else than our friend that does that. 
because he is the best and he's so proud of that work. Mm -hmm. That's his jam. Mm -hmm. It's adorable. But that was the hard work of parents and clinician teams that came together to optimize that child's gifts and talents. Well, and you're constantly looking for new opportunities for Drew, but not only for Drew. And that's one of the many things I've loved about getting to know you is you're not only looking for Drew, but you're looking for other kids like Drew or who might have other challenges. And so can you tell us a little bit about Drew's rainbow art? Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing it up and asking. So that's exciting. You know, COVID has a few silver linings. One of them was time at home. So my husband, who's very creative himself, again, he did the painting behind me, and which will be, we'll tell a little bit more about that. But he recognized Drew's love for art. And he worked a lot of tireless hours to create Drew's Rainbows Art.com, which embraces children with, well, adults actually, and children with exceptionalities across the United States. We have two from overseas. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really a great little website because if you go, you can learn a little bit about each of the artists and you can purchase their artwork and then help support their love and their passion. And there are some beautiful pieces of artwork and We've done some little local things. Most recently, this was great news. We got a call, I think it was last Friday. And two wonderful coffee shops have partnered with us, Awakenings right here in our neighborhood, and then Bean and Barley, which is just about a mile, maybe a mile and a half away. They put up a bunch of the artwork. So we get a call on Friday that someone came in and bought every single piece of artwork and was very excited about it, wrote a big check and now he's like, now my coffee shop looks really boring again. And I didn't even know it looked boring until I had all that artwork. And now I need you to restock it. So right now, ordering more paintings from the website so that we can display them and hopefully sell some more for the kids. But what a great check that's going to be to send to them and to tell them about this exciting sale. So it'll encourage them and, and they're supporting their livelihood, you know, and their passions. Exactly. It's so exciting to see anyone following their passion which is one of the things that you really have honed in on looking toward employment opportunities. And we all have our have had our challenges with COVID, but right around the time that Drew left the public school system or graduated, yeah. there was COVID. So he has a job right now and he's doing really well with it. But who knows, you know, once COVID is clear where he might go with it. But can you tell us a little bit about how to identify employment opportunities for young adults with exceptionalities. This I can't take any credit for. I listened to the great advice, but one of his aides in grade school said, Kathy, you need to really pay attention to Drew's gifts, passions, talents, interests, so much so that I I was kind of alluding to and joking about lining things up. And that was a skill set. I wrote it down. Because that can be a very attractive job attribute or skill for certain businesses. So keeping track of your child's capabilities, even from the smallest. I had a file. I would just jot things down like, oh, he loves, you know, certain things you didn't have to jot down. You just know, you know, he loves animals or he does love to line things up or he is really, really good with other people. Talk about the best Walmart greeter they could probably ever might. have. <laughs> be like, they might like he might never get there. They might never shop because he get through the door, right? Because they would want to chat with friendly. him, right? Right. <laughs> but that was that was important because not only are you identifying what might be a a talent, a gift, or a passion, but you then can think about summer camps that supported maybe some of those passions. And you know, he was thinking he might want to be a zookeeper at the Cincinnati Zoo. Well, whether or not that could happen, who knows, but could he work at the zoo in some capacity? So he did a similar job at Kings Island Amusement Park, which was an opportunity to see just that park setting. How did that work for him? And by the way, proud mom moment, random people are given little golden cards or tickets. Okay. If they see a worker doing something that they think is outstanding then they give that person, that employee gets the card and they then in turn get accolades and special treats and a little, you know, gift or money or whatever they pick. They get some reward. 
So when uh, we had Drew's review, I got to go with him. He's like, you know, it's rare that we have a student or an employee get one of these because people forget to give them out or what have you. Right. Drew had two, and <laughs> the manager couldn't believe that he had gotten two. One, he had helped a little girl who was lost. He, he knew to take her. He followed the right and take her to a guard who then could take her to the right people. He took her to the adult with the, some authority that he was trained to do. Mm-hmm. And then another one, he just they said they just thoroughly enjoyed his conversation, which that one was no surprise. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, you think, are they going to thrive? Are they going to succeed? And when you get that kind of feedback that they are flourishing in a workforce, it gave me hope as a mother and I could go back to his team of caregivers, his clinicians. I could go back to his school teachers and his aides and say, here's what we saw this summer. How can we hone in on that? So I suppose part of the advice would be to look for those gifts, passions, talents early. Embrace mm-hmm. them and support them however you can. Be an advocate for them and then ask all of the village to get together to support whatever it is that he's kind of honing, he or she's honing in on. and then give them those chances to try. That's proved to be effective for us. And I think that's a a really good way to tackle because they're probably not going to come to you and say they want to do a certain thing. They they might. I mean, if you ask Drew, he still is going to be a quarterback for the Bengals when he grows up. Now, I don't think we shared. Mary Beth, did we tell her when he's 23? (laughs) I don't know if we said the age. 23, (laughs) seven cognitively, but he's either going to be Bengal quarterback when he grows up a sportscaster for ESPN. He just told me that again on Sunday. And I think they're missing the boat without hiring somebody like this and calling it like Drew's Corner. So we're going to work on that. I know. I know. (laughs) Why is it, clinicians help me on this one, why is it that students or patients can remember certain things ever so perfectly like stats, games, schedules, but when it comes to schoolwork, it's not as connecting as much. I don't know. I'd like to figure that one out. That is a conundrum. We haven't heard the last of him. There's going to be some kind of broadcasting in his future. I am confident of that. But as you know, from an inclusivity perspective, I know Drew, I know people would love to watch him. So whether it's ESPN or something local or his own channel, I am confident that we are going to be seeing that. Now the the Bengals quarterback, well, we did have an injury last year. That might have been his window. (laughs) Well, he's so funny, Rebecca, because he'll say, mom says, mom and dad say you can do whatever you put your mind to. So here's the thing about him. I might get him somehow. In the next two years, I'm going to get him on that field and catch a pass somehow. Yes. And that will be his moment of being a quarterback on the Bengals. And that would be, we could check that box. Right. Could check that box because we saw it. We did it. And I'm, I'm not giving up on that one either. So we'll see. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Exactly. Well, and just that, just hearing you say that, I mean, just that positive perspective. He has worn off on you, but you have worn off on him. I mean, you work together, but he has that positive perspective. As you said, even when he was little, he was happy. You have a great positive family perspective. Your daughters also support him so well, and he certainly loves them. That's the other thing I think as clinicians and parents, like that accepting part is when it really becomes fun because you stop one day and you almost want to apologize a little bit. Like, I'm so sorry. It chokes me up some. I was trying to fix you. You're fine. Just how you are. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me want to share because I just love this story. So some people can see the painting behind you oh, yeah. and some people will not see a painting. So can you describe the painting in detail behind you and yeah. save the best part for last? I sure will. So it's a painting that my husband, so Diru does get his artistic capabilities, honestly, not from me, I assure you, my husband's the painter, but it is a picture of Andrew, it's the back of him. And something I don't think I shared with you, Mary Beth, that's also kind of interesting is Dave likes to do kind of 3D. So it's actually Drew's shirt and Drew's shorts. And even some, Dave cuts his hair. Some of this hair is actually in the palette of paint. If you saw it in person, it kind of comes out a little bit. Oh, okay. So it's an actual shirt. It is. Yeah. Okay. And shorts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a little bit just to kind of make it the texture. It's, It's really beautiful in person. 
And it's the back of Drew with his hands outstretched as wide as, as they can on the canvas be. And he's looking up at the sky in this really beautiful sky with a full spectrum of the rainbow. But what I like best about it, and I told probably through frustration and tears, when we would get sometimes a few too many reports at once, nobody's fault. They were just coming from every all the different <laughs> specialties. And in all fairness, they were hard to read. And in all fairness, I didn't always read them. When I got to about the third sentence, I had to be the parent then. I had to mm-hmm. be the biggest cheerleader I knew how to be. I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole of what is likely to happen. I wanted to come out of the rabbit hole and look at the sky and think what I could see happen and what he could see happen, what we could do. And again, never being angry, never having frustration with with what I'm hearing. I just didn't want to hear it yet. And so I was always about overcoming, knowing what we have to work with and doing our best to overcome some of those barriers. So Mm -hmm. in the forefront, Drew is standing in a field of flowers and grass, but you wouldn't be able to see it unless you get close up. All the shreds of white are reports that I didn't stick my head in the, don't be mad clinicians, I didn't stick my head in the <laughs> It's okay, <laughs> it's okay, we need to hear this. I just wanted to want more for him. I wanted to believe more for him, and I knew he had it in him, and I knew they were right, no arguing about it. I just didn't want to hear it, and I wanted to overcome them. So for me, I wanted him to be above that, so I had them shredded. I had my husband shred them and filled them into what Drew overcame and stood on and looked up to and lifted himself up and others. So that's the my favorite part of the painting. And it really brought me joy. He gave it to me for my birthday. I think we're going to donate it to his team of teachers and aides at his Kilgore Elementary, where they were super wonderful and supportive. They've all been, but it would be great in the library. And no one knows it's it would Drew. Be. So it would just be a great picture of a young boy that sees light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. That is the great story of of the Lurk family, Andrew, because you went from trying to understand what was going on to accepting what was going on to celebrating him and his place in the world and his place in the family. And it's exciting to think about what he's going to be doing next, for sure. He does have a job now, which is great. I do understand he just got a little bit of a promotion, right? Because he was asked to work another day. He was. He was doing two shifts. And we got a call last week and they said, you know, and I still have these moments of surprise. So I kind of felt like they were being wonderful partners to us and to Drew to hire him. And I was grateful. But they called and asked if they could add a day or a shift. Drew works two hours at a time and he comes home, by the way, and he's so tired. (laughs) Mom, I was working. I worked a shift. Of course I'm tired. (laughs) I'm starving. And he goes at 5.15 and he's back by 7.15. It's great. But he does a good job. And his bosses, two bosses, I guess, called and said, hey, we would like to add a day if Drew is available. And I thought, my boy must be getting it done over there. I mean, I knew he was, but it was such a nice call to know that they would like him to work a little bit more. And he was, I have to be honest, he was like, huh? Another shift? I think you know what that means? (laughs) I had to serve it up, right? I had to trick, well, I hope he's not listening. I kind of had to trick. I said, Drew, this is such a big deal. They like your work so much that they are adding another shift. That means, remember your evaluation, you got those fours? That's what that means. You get to earn more money, and guess, Mayor Beth, you already know, guess what he wants for his with his big money that he makes? Season uh, Bengals tickets uh-huh. or yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take a Savage Dark season Bengals tickets. Do you think if I did I could get season Bengals tickets next year or Cedar Point pass? Yeah, Drew, I think you can. So yeah, he goals are important. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in this case, they actually wanted him to work another shift because they need more shift work and he's doing a great job in the actual work. But something that you touched upon are some of the subtle things that 
a person with developmental disabilities or exceptionalities or cognitive challenges, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. yeah. some of the other things besides actual work that they can contribute to the workforce. And I, I just love the way you describe that. So can you share that perspective with our listeners? Really helping people to understand that work is so much more than work. So much meaning goes into that for every person that works, whether it's a person's exceptionalities or not. But for this community especially, they feel part of something. They're so proud. And this is what they're getting. I'll get to the best part again in a minute. But they feel committed to something. They feel part of something. They get a little paycheck. They put on a uniform. They are proud. They put their He puts his shoulders back, puts his hat on, and he goes, and he's ready to go. He He wants to do a good job of that sense of accomplishment. But Mm -hmm. is he going to make as many widgets as maybe the guy next to him or the girl next to him? Probably not. But what is he going to do for the company, which makes your products and your employees and your overall production better, is he's adding value in people can't wait to work with Drew. They want to be on the shift with Drew. They enjoy seeing him succeed and they want to work collaboratively with him to succeed. So they're teaching and showing and he's showing them different ways to do things. And it just becomes a great shift. I've gotten calls from his boss that has told me, you know, so-and-so always wants to work with Drew. We had to like split it up so that that they all (laughs) get a a chance. chance. (laughs) So what does that mean? It means people want to come to work. And when people want to come to work, they want to be productive and do a good job because they want to keep coming back to work. So I try to help companies know that there's so much more at the end of the day than just that production of whatever is the job is accomplishing, but that environment, that give and take, and what we learn from them, what they learn from us is really what it's all about. And the success will follow that because your employees are happy. And and when that happens, success will follow. Mm -hmm. So contributing to the bottom line, but in a little bit more of a subtle way, And I think employers, and we have some actually, we're in Cincinnati, I think, as we've mentioned, but, and we have some excellent employers in town who really do provide opportunities. But if we want to kind of think outside the box a little bit and think of other things that people with developmental disabilities could do that contribute to the bottom line, but maybe they're just making a really positive work environment versus more widgets, as you have described. Well, it's a generic term to talk about the production of any job, whether it's a social skill or output of a product or service. But I also, it makes me think, Mary Beth, about when people are around people with exceptionalities, almost always they leave feeling better. Almost always they see the world a little differently because they might have had that great conversation or that interaction. There is a win-win. And it does make me think, I know we're joking about like, there are very traditional, and I'm so grateful, places of employment for people with exceptionalities. Kroger does a fantastic job hiring these kids. And I love working with them when I'm grocery shopping and talking with them. Children's Hospital does a great job. UC does a great job. But why isn't there more? Why isn't there a Drew's Corner? Why aren't we having those ex-football players who are now broadcasters talking with a Drew? Because they're hilarious and they are fun and they're uplifting and they have great perspective. And aren't they part of our human experience? Aren't they part of our community? So I'm so grateful for the jobs that we get, but why aren't there more? I was talking to you. There's so many that are so handsome. Why doesn't Ralph Lauren have a special, a child with exceptionalities as a model? I mean, why not? They're right. beautiful inside and out. And we need to keep pushing the boundaries. Where we've come is a long way. You know, a generation or two ago, kids were put away and, and put in homes. So we're, we're doing great stuff, but there's so much more work to do. And we're the ones losing out. When we don't get a chance to interact with them, we don't see the sunshine the same way they do, or we don't have it come into our lives the way they bring it in. We don't have the color come in the way they can bring it in because they offer a whole different perspective. So it's a shame. It's a shame for 
all places that are employing just, you know, the tried and true typical milestone meter, Kathy, or the hit the goals. What about people that do it a little differently, letting them mm-hmm. in? I think there's more to do there. I think we could, I think we could keep doing a little better. Well, I think we're moving in the right direction and I, I have a feeling you are going to continue to steer that ship. And another thing that I like that you have done, and we didn't actually talk about it when we were prepping this time, but you told me that you just finished some home renovations. And when you were working on your home renovations, you wanted to make your home a happy and welcoming place for other people who might be like Drew, because you're finding as a young adult, some of the opportunities are limited. And so can you share your perspective? Yeah, my husband laughed because I found a table that really didn't fit into our dining room. So we had to have it cut down (laughs) because (laughs) I wanted the biggest table I could find because I wanted to have like, he says I'm overzealous. I'm like, I think he could do it once a month. He's like, maybe we go out once quarterly for now. A, a kind of like a muffin Sunday where people come to have community, where I invite all of Drew's friends and their friend brings a friend and, and they just have a place to come like once a month, once every other month to have a social setting because I have found, and again, we make this up as we go. And now that he's 23, you have a lot of support in schools. There's a lot of camaraderie, inclusion, sports opportunities is the probably the main way. But mm-hmm. once they get out, and that's dependent on the family too. Like Drew's lucky that we try to support him, but not all kids have that benefit. And they come into our home and it's so much fun. And they just want to visit like any other young adult. So I'm really hoping to make, we just finished, I'm really hoping to make that a reality. And COVID, of course, has put a little bit of damper on that right. starting. But we'll get there. We do have with Drew's Rainbows Foundation, we do a quarterly gathering of, but I want to do it as my own family because I love these kids and I love, they're fun and they're so much fun to be around and they love to be with each other. So my table got cut a little shorter, right? (laughs) (laughs) but it is still really long and people can sit in other places too. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, and you know, when we talked about it before, I asked you like a silly question, which I was like, why did I ask that? But now I'm going to, I'm not going to say my mistake of what I asked you. I said, well, Kathy, how are you finding the people who are coming to your house? And you said, well, just, just like anyone else, a friend of a friend or, you know, people, I don't want to speak for you, but I just thought your answer was very telling. So it was worth me asking a stupid question a second time. <laughs> it wasn't a stupid question. I don't think you know how to ask those. Meredith. When we were at the Bengals game, we made a new friend. They were in a wheelchair. And I said, I need your number. I need your name. You got to come into my muffin Sunday. So I have two new friends that we met that Drew struck up a conversation, gave them their card, and they'll be invited. And they couldn't wait. I told them about it. Like, oh, that sounds like fun. Now, when are you going to have it? And then I'm on the spot. I'm like, I haven't picked a uh, date yet. But <laughs> I have your number. I will include you. So you could just see them lighten up and brighten up. And we all just want community and connection and kindness. I mean, we really just all want to be supported. We want to feel included. And as clinicians, you're doing that so well by helping people optimize what they can do and what they can contribute. But really always keep that overarching message in your heart and in your mind that how can I help this person just really be part of our world? Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, we actually have a little bit of time for some questions for our live listeners. I know it's confusing because this will be recorded and people can listen to it later on other podcast platforms. But for our live listeners from speechtherapypd.com tonight, Type it, type any question in the chat and Kathy will answer. So, or you can do chat or you can do the Q&A. You know what? I have a question for you. I didn't check with this, you know, this topic ahead of time, but I think it is worth sharing because you are someone who is such a positive person and you've really done such an amazing I won't say job celebrating, but you've really celebrate life and Drew's life and his contribution so well. You were also very versed in advocating for him throughout grade school, well, his, you know, early intervention and then, you know, elementary school 
and junior high, high school. But even someone as educated and well-versed as you were surprised when he no longer qualified to stay in high school. And I even said to you, oh, well, he stayed till he was 21, right? That was a surprise. So I think that is so, if you're okay to share a little bit, I think it's so valuable for other parents to hear a little bit and valuable for clinicians and teachers to hear your perspective of of that as well. We just assumed that we would have that opportunity available to us because it is by law that you're able to stay in school until then. However, once they've met their benchmarks that you have been kind of working with the teachers and counselors on meeting, there is a stopping point that they can say we've met all the benchmarks. So there's not just a automatic you can stay. So it's really important to be mindful of that when you're working on your IEPs and you're setting goals or creating new goals. And had I been aware of that, I just assumed it was an automatic, I would have certainly thought back to my list I referred to earlier of those things that I could see some potential opportunities for employment. And I would have continued working on more things that I felt could be mastered that hadn't been mastered, but because it hadn't been written a certain way, that was a miss. So the good news is it all worked out and you can get stuck being frustrated or you can just keep moving. It's not very healthy to get stuck being frustrated because at the end of the I was hurting Drew. I was going to minimize his potential journey if I was just going to keep fighting a battle that and at that point I didn't feel really welcome. I felt like they were trying to make a statement about where we needed to end. So, we made a nice clean exit and looked for employment. Besides the benchmarks, would there be any other advice that you would share with parents of children who are at the top end of their high school years or their schooling years, let's say they're 19 or 20 and you're hoping they can stay until they're 21 or or they're 18 and you're hoping for another year as far as besides the benchmarks, what to do at an IEP, for example? I just would always be challenging what you've met or what future goals because they have to meet the goals and they have to be in alignment with the parent and the team. So, and each school district's a little different. Some school districts, it's much easier. They let them stay. They, they really don't push. So there's some bureaucracy. I, I think you just need to be aware of the culture and you should start being super in the know about that probably like in junior high so that you can project your path as you're trying to navigate that graduation date. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Anything else that you would like to share with our audience? I know you wanted to... Now, in our handout, I think there's some information about Drew's Rainbow's art. Mm -hmm. But for the people who don't see the handout, could you tell the listeners how they could look that up and a little bit about that? They could even just Google Drew's Rainbow's art or go to drewsrainbowsart.com and they could see the artist. They could learn about the artist. They can also learn about the foundation on that page. Drew's Rainbows Foundation is what that's called, but it's the backstory and it kind of tells you a little bit about what we do. We have been, as I said, a little bit on pause because of COVID because it's hard to get together, but hopefully that's going to be changing very soon. And what if we have a speech language pathologist listening tonight? We have a lot who work well, with adults and children, but let's say we, are, we have someone who's working with an exceptional artist. How might they get in touch with you besides going to the website? Like how yeah. would that process work? That would be the best way. There is an email on there. They could email Dave or I. The more, the merrier. There's no, we don't have a cutoff for folks who want to participate if they would like to try and sell their artwork. By all means, uh, there's not a strong vetting opportunity is to be included. Did she write a book? Want to ask her? Oh, that would that would be, I'm not sure, uh, from Courtney. Um, yes, I do want to ask her about it. Oh. <laughs> um, you, She did not write a book, yet she is <laughs> writing a book. So please tell us about the book. Yeah, thank you. It should be out in December or January. It's in the editing process. 
It is a daily inspirational, so it's 365 days of inspiration that has been offered through the community of children and adults with exceptionalities. So each day is a lesson or a conversation that just made me kind of think, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I see it that way? And I would be, it just caused a moment for pause to really reflect and see the world through their eyes. I think it's the first book that I have found that I've researched that puts them in a teaching position instead of how can we optimize them? How can we improve them? But how about we learn from them? So my goal is to be all ears as I interviewed a ton of kids. And of course, there's a lot of it is what I've learned from Drew. So I always say it's written by mom, but inspired by that community and and Drew specifically. But we're very excited for it to come out. There's a lot of the artworks in. There's a lot of real images inside. And the cover is actually the painting. So, And it's called Your Special, Recognizing Uh the Special in Everyone. Well, that is great. So tell me again, how did you, besides Drew, how did you find the other contributors? They're his friends. Again, it's just that friends of friends. And we are involved. We are a citizens chapter for best buddies. Oh, tell us about that. A citizens chapter for best buddies. So when we do our Drew's Rainbows Foundation activities, we pull in some students from UC who are best buddies. And again, the goal trying to merge more friends of, say, typical with friends with exceptionalities and making those friendships flourish and grow. So we uh, um, always include them when we do our Drew's Rainbows Foundation whenever they're available and we support the best buddies that way. And Drew will be playing Special Olympics basketball this year. So we'll meet a lot of kids that way. That'll start in November. So it's real easy. If, If you look, you meet all kinds of fun people. Oh, that's great. I love the story that you shared about one of Drew's friends who played football with him in, I think it was grade school and junior high, and they still keep in touch. And I won't tell the story for you. Can you just uh, describe Uh, that relationship a little bit? So I will say his first name because he's worth hearing. Evan has been amazing. When Drew was part of Cougar football in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, there becomes a point where they separate the men from the boys and the boys are starting to hit to hit. And he would be like, I smell hot dogs. And they were getting ready to like do the play and he would go flying. So the game was getting too physical, but some of his best friends that still support him today were kind of fostered in that cougar football environment. So all the fellows went off to college and Drew would send him notes or Drew would call him. And this one in particular, I said, Evan, I'm so sorry that Drew keeps calling you. I didn't want to, he was in school and I thought he's probably trying to study or in class. He just sent me this text Sunday. He said, thank you so much, Mrs. Lurk. I appreciate your family, especially Drew, who has brought me so much joy to my life. And so he checks with me. He says, I'm so glad we've continued our friendship. So we, he, again, he's grateful. And he picks Drew up and they go to Skyland or they go to Kings Island. And I, I still have to get over the idea that they're doing him a favor. And I don't know why I think that because I know how great Drew is. But when I see and hear what he's doing for them, this is why we need more involvement, more collaboration, more inclusion, and just everyone kind of learning from each other, because that's what he's getting out of it. And that was he just sent that yesterday. Oh, that's so. great. And that's funny, because we didn't talk about it today. We talked no. about it a while ago. That, so yes, I'm glad you brought um, it up. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> well, um, and we do have so much to learn from each other. And thank you for sharing your parenting journey with us. We as clinicians have so much to learn from parents and that collaboration is so important. And sometimes it's hard for us because we're all so busy and we're meeting deadlines and we're yeah. seeing, you know, one client after the next. Sometimes we don't get time to really sit down and and learn each other's perspectives. So your journey of understanding, accepting, celebrating an exceptional child is so important to all of us. You, Dave, Andrew, Alexandra, and Audrey are an exceptional family. And you have taught so many of us in in this community, the meaning of love. So thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. And I'd like to really quickly say thank you to all the clinicians because we wouldn't be where we are and Drew wouldn't be where he is without your love and support. And we are ever so grateful. Thank you for this chance to talk to all of you. And I hope it was meaningful for you. Thank you. Well, have a great night. And just as a reminder, for those who are listening to this live episode to get live CEUs, you must log into your speechtherapypd.com account and complete the entire course content by the end of the day today. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I, I look forward to collaborating with you again, Kathy, and we would love to have you come and and do one of our webinars, which are so this was a podcast, and then the webinars are video that everyone can see. So that would be um, great. We'll just have My to talk about that. Okay. Awesome. All, All right. right. Thanks, Thank you. Take care. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs for this episode and all podcasts offered by speechtherapypd.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines. Keep up the good work.